You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Domecast. We took a week off for the holiday season and are back. Um, this is Patrick Gannon from The Insider. I guess I'm not filling in for Andy Curlis anymore. Uh, I'm here in, in his stead, at least for this week. Uh, Andy has moved on to uh, bigger and better things in the communications world, and we wish him luck. Uh, it'll be hard to replace him as the first and best host of, of the Domecast. We have a full, pretty full uh, crowd today with us. We have Colin Campbell, Lynn Bonner, and Taylor Knopp from the News and Observer. We have Benjamin Brown from The Insider. Um, and we have a kind of different uh, end of the year show lined up for today where we're going to talk about the stories of 2015, where each of our panelists is going to talk about the top story or one of the top stories of the year, kind of a year in review. Uh, next, we're going to look ahead at 2016 and, and focus on people to watch in state government uh, in the year to come. And finally, we're going to do our typical segment Although we're going to have a special year-end focus, we're going to call it Headliners of the Year. Um, So we have a great show. We're going to start today uh, with Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. Um, Colin's going to talk about uh, a story that made news in 2015 uh, to kind of remind everybody where we've been. Colin, uh, good to have you here. Thank you. Uh, tell us about your story of the year. So I think the story of the year is the uh, legislative uh, doings surrounding sales tax. It really started at the beginning of the year. Uh, we first started to get glimpses of Senator Harry Brown's plan to uh, shift how sales tax revenues are dis- distributed around the state from a system that sort of advantages counties that have a lot of retail options uh, and therefore get to keep a lot of their sales tax revenue to something that was more population-based and would, would give every county more of an equal share based on how much of the state's population they had. That, of course, uh, provoked a pretty uh, massive outcry from the urban counties that would be losing millions under that plan. The plan kind of got watered down to a point where instead of um, just merely taking our current pot of sales tax revenues and changing how they were distributed, uh, we're essentially going to be adding to the sales tax pot uh, come March of this coming year uh, with new sales taxes on services, things like uh, car care, um, other things uh, in that regard uh, that had not been subject to sales tax before. So people will essentially be paying more sales tax and that additional sales tax is going to be uh, weighted more heavily towards the uh, rural communities, giving them a huge shot in the arm, uh, but meaning that, that folks across the state are going to be seeing more sales taxes on more things uh, come March. And that sales tax issue is not is not dead by any means, I think. Yeah, oh, we can see it come back and, and perhaps be in a wider, more sweeping form once this goes through. Thanks, Colin. Uh, we're going to move on to Lynn Bonner, News and Observer. How are Hi, you? Um, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. The new Andy Curlis. Uh, I'll never fill his shoes, but yeah. uh, story of the year, Lynn, 2015. My story of the year is the long legislative session, which turned out to be a real endurance test for legislators, uh, anybody who works at the legislature or anybody who uh, watches what they do. Um, they had a really full plate of issues, social issues, financial, education, immigration, 
everything uh, in the session and uh, had a full plate that they seemed to stare at for months until they decided to start moving things along. So, um, yeah, the uh, session from January through September turned out to be a grueling one for a lot of people. And uh, a number of the legislators who have decided not to run again um, cited the many months they were in Raleigh for uh, for the reason that they were going to uh, drop out of the legislature for now. So that's going to be my story of the year. That clearly was uh, crazy when we were all uh, stuck in it, waiting for, for things to happen, especially the budget. Uh, there was a standstill on the budget for quite a while. Uh, that's a good story of the year, Lynn Bonner. We're going to now turn to Taylor Knopf of the News and Observer. Taylor. Uh, what did you come up with for your story of 2015? So I'm going to take us back to about six months ago when Senate Bill 2 passed. Um, it was sponsored by uh, Senate Leader uh, Phil Berger, and it allowed magistrates in the state to recuse themselves from marrying um, same-sex couples. Um, and that is actually uh, a lawsuit has been brought up uh, about that recently. Um, so people are already challenging it, and we can probably expect more challenges of that in the coming year. And that, that bill allows uh, magistrates and um, others who work in, uh, in the marriage license department to recuse themselves from all, mar- all marriages or, and filing all certificates, et cetera, um, if they choose to. They can't just recuse themselves from performing same-sex marriages. Etc. So um, that's what uh, the defendants will say in the lawsuit that, that everybody's treated equally. Um, thanks, Taylor. Ben Brown sitting on the other side. Hey. Um, your story of 2015. Yeah, I'm going to say it's the uh, the Confederate flag license plates and the Confederate monuments, that whole saga. It was actually a really huge story just in the way uh, of how it unfolded and how quickly it unfolded, you know, nationally it, it, it got on the map after the uh, the killings this past summer at the church in Charleston, South Carolina, and in the context of that, you know, Confederate symbols via the killer Dylan Roof got uh, swept up in a context of racism and hatred, and there was a wave of pressure to get rid of the Confederate flag and of monuments and so forth as markers to revere or respect. Um, That's long been a push. And in North Carolina, the gears were already kind of turning among supporters of Confederate artifacts and monuments to protect that stuff, to put it in law that you can't just remove a quote-unquote object of remembrance. That was the the, the phrasing used in the bill that Governor Pat McCrory signed in July. Uh, It would protect Confederate memorials and other historical monuments. Uh, McCrory said, you know, they're they're a part of the story of North Carolina— Uh, The governor did, however, say that he was okay with discontinuing the Confederate flag license plates that the state issues. And remember the flurry of the people who signed up for those plates, you know, when it it was being talked about that, you know, it's a possibility that they would be discontinued. Um, It became a fight of sorts where McCrory said, you know, I'd love to discontinue these plates, but I don't have the authority to do it myself. And then the legislature saying, well, yes, you do. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that didn't really have any... Uh, concrete resolution, the part about the plates, the, the monuments addressed in the bill, but, I mean, that was a big, turbulent issue. The uh, I believe, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the plates issue that kind of the governor and the uh, General Assembly leaders kind of um, threw the hot potato back and forth as to who who had the authority to do That's something right. about it, and I don't think there was ever any resolution to that, and there's no, still, the, the, there as far as I know, they're still issuing the plates. The, there was a, a bill talked about at the end that would, um, I think, set up some sort of review process for 
plates and symbology that people found as offensive in the context of license plates, I don't think that went anywhere. You know, maybe something for next year, but maybe not. That's the fourth Benjamin Brown from The Insider with the fourth uh, story of the year. There were plenty of other stories of the year, and I'm not going to decide which is the biggest one. You guys, all of our listeners can decide that. We had uh, you know, almost two dozen legislators decide they're not going to run again. We had the um, Graham Keith uh, prison contracts issue that involved uh, Governor McCrory. We had Dana Cope pleading guilty to fraud charges and, and being sentenced to several years in prison. We had the, the beginnings of the McCrory-Roy Cooper uh, 2016 gubernatorial, gubernatorial race, which is going to be one of the top in the country for sure. Uh, so lots happened in 2015. And when we come back, we're going to talk about people to watch in 2016 as we move forward. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And we're back here on the Domecast with our second segment in our year-end 2015 edition of the Domecast. Um, we just went through our stories of the year for 2015. Now we're going to look ahead to people to watch in state government in, well, I guess state and federal government in 2016. And we're going to start again with Colin Campbell from the News and Observer. Uh, Colin, who do you think folks should watch in 2016? Well, I think people want to keep an eye on Congresswoman Renee Elmers, uh, particularly in the first few months of uh, 2016. Uh, she's got what's probably going to be the toughest fight for an incumbent uh, Congress member from uh, North Carolina. Uh, she's got a primary with, I think there were up to four different Republicans uh, running against her in the primary. Uh, some of them fairly well known. The former head of the Chatham County Republicans uh, is running. Uh, Frank Roach, who's run against her before and for, for other congressional seats, uh, as well as one of the more colorful candidates of the primary season, Kay Daly, who uh, many of you may remember from her ad back in September where she uh, announces that she's hunting rhinos and then she fires a shotgun. Uh, essentially aimed at uh, Elmer's, I guess. So Elmer's will sort of, uh, while she's been a very, very conservative member of Congress by Washington standards, uh, by the standards of some folks in her district within the Republican Party, they feel like she's not been conservative enough, that she's a Republican in name only. Uh, and so we'll see a lot of uh, flack headed her way uh, in the next few months. And uh, we'll see what happens when the, when the primary comes around. Renee, Congresswoman Renee Elmers uh, may have a tough road in 2016. Now we'll switch over to uh, Lynn Bonner, News and Observer. Who are you going to be watching and who should other folks be wa be watching next year? I'm going to select Burr, comma, Justin, who is a uh, fourth-term legislator, Republican legislator from Albemarle. Um, he wa was a, uh, a budget writer uh, until this year. Um, and ran for speaker. Obviously, he isn't speaker. And in the last month or so, he has been openly and harshly critical of the Republican House leadership and 
including the speaker and um, the rules chair. So um, I'm probably the only one around this table who was out of high school um, early in the century when there was a significant rift in uh, Republican House Republican caucus. And it was wide and it was consequential. So uh, looking at Burr and seeing if there are more people uh, who agree with him and where that all goes, that's going to be something to watch um, next year. Yeah, that has been intriguing to watch over the last month or so as the clear divisions in the House Republican caucus and that, you know, they have a, the Republicans have a super majority. So, you know, unless they fight amongst themselves, the Democrats are, are pretty much out of luck. So the more they fight amongst themselves, the more it opens the door for Democrats. Um, so Justin Burr is in the hat. Um, we're going to switch now to Taylor Knopf from the News and Observer. Who are you going to be watching in 2016? So I think someone to watch will be Senator Fletcher Hartzell of Concord. He is not seeking re-election for his 14th term. However, um, the State Board of Elections did a long, hard look at um, his campaign finances uh, from his long career as senator. And in June, the board decided they had reason to believe that uh, Hartzell improperly used his donations to pay for things like family dinners, haircuts, shoe repairs, just a bunch of things that it found that weren't weren't really supposed to be in there and um so they referred his case over to prosecutors no charges have been filed but we could watch for that in 2016. Senator Fletcher Hartzell who I believe is the longest serving member of the legislature as of right now oh I'm sorry is it Mickey Michaud or is it in the senate I think Hartzell is the senior I think it's Mickey Michaud in the in the house that's right um yeah definitely somebody to keep an eye on we'll see what happens there if anything um, and it, there seems to be a, a um, what's the right word, a flurry of these campaign finance-related stories coming out lately where, where people are accused or, or you know, um, called out for the ways they're, they're using their campaign funds or helping donors, you know, with legislation. So that'll be a, a big issue to watch in 2016. Um, ben Brown. Hey person to watch uh real shocker but i'm gonna say roy cooper uh we knew forever ago that he was gonna run for governor and he waited and waited and built all kinds of anticipation before his official announcement actually there was that clever april fool's day press release from the republican party that cooper was making his announcement official and it actually it was fully believed by a number of people as his actual announcement for for governor and it came with a website too if i recall but uh he made it official this uh this past fall and he filed, and uh, national publications are now calling it, you know, one of the most competitive gubernatorial races uh, coming up. Obviously, we're not to the primaries yet. He's not the only Democrat running, but he's the quote-unquote presumptive. Um, and because it's so competitive, it's going to get expensive and rough, and I think everyone on both sides of the aisle will be watching Cooper as the challenger to incumbent Pat McCrory. Definitely a person to watch in in uh, 2016 as, as Roy Cooper, who who – isn't as well known statewide as as the current governor is and will need to do some get um getting his name out uh type of things and 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 letting people know who he is we haven't seen all that much yet but that's uh certainly coming soon um so roy cooper 
uh, is another person to watch. There are plenty of other people we could have named today as we went around the table beforehand. So there'll be a lot of people to watch in 2016, and, and we're looking forward to to doing so and, and bringing the news about them uh, to you through the Domecast and all of our other uh, mediums next year. And we'll be back with our final segment that uh, we like to call Headliners of the Week, a special year-end year end version of that in just a moment. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Domecast, and now it's time for... Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Head, 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 headliner of the week. And we're back for our third and final segment. That uh, intro was our uh, kind of tribute to uh, Andy Curlis, the, the first host of Domecast um, that Benjamin Brown put together uh, for Andy's departure a couple of weeks ago. I think Andy liked it, so we're going to... We're going to continue to use it, whether he likes it or not. Um, Headliners of the week is a typical uh, segment, third segment every week. Um, But this being the year-end edition of the Domecast, we're going to go for headliners of the year. And as we were sitting around here talking, 2015, I think, was an eventful year, but not not all that exciting in in a lot of ways. We, We were talking about sitting around the legislative building waiting for stuff to happen. Clearly they did a lot, but it was spread out over um, eight or nine months. So it, it seemed to kind of get watered down, I guess. Don't sell this too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Uh, uh, Benj- or, I'm sorry, Colin Campbell. We're going to go with the same order again. Um, headliners of the year in 2015. Who do you have? Well, sort of in keeping with the theme of um, wasn't the most exciting year ever, uh, I'm going with someone who... I don't think really had his name in the actual headlines that much. Representative Ken Goodman, who uh, had, a, uh, I think, larger behind-the-scenes role than he was necessarily out front. He's the uh, founder of the group called the Main Street Democrats, which is sort of a pro-business, moderate wing of the Democratic Party, particularly in the House. Um, and they've sort of uh, became a, a splinter group of sorts among the Democrats uh, this legislative session. Uh, they took a more moderate line, often broke with uh, the uh, Democratic uh, leadership, uh, Larry Hall is the, the minority leader, and instead voted with Republicans on major legislation like incentives, the state budget, um, and I think in a lot of cases we're sort of working behind the scenes with Republicans to, to sort of get their ideas heard and, and help shape the legislation, and uh, that's a trend that I think we'll, we'll see continue uh, with, with more lawmakers sort of jumping on board with that group, um, and it's, it's largely thanks to Ken Goodman, who's uh, from a rural area, uh, Rockingham I guess is his, uh, his hometown. Um, and, and wanted to see that voice uh, less marginalized and, and more of a, a centrist uh, role for the Democratic Party, particularly as they try to take back a little bit more power uh, in, in state politics. So Ken Goodman, that's a, that's a good one. Um, they During the session, they didn't get all that much attention, and we knew about them. We knew they were there. 
but they, they were pretty, uh, like you said, behind the scenes, I think, working with Republicans on some things. And clearly they probably didn't make some members of the Democratic par Party happy by uh, siding with uh, Republicans on some of those major issues. But um, they see that as the way to bring the, the Democratic Party back to power in North Carolina by focusing on business issues and less on uh, social, kind of divisive social issues. So uh, Ken Goodman uh, is Colin Campbell's uh, nominee for headliner of the year. Lynn Bonner, who do you have? I'm going with uh, House Speaker Tim Moore, who's served his first year in the speakership. I didn't know if I would call what Moore did a balancing act or a juggling act or both at the same time, but he had a lot to maneuver in his first year. I guess uh, casting back to the beginning of the session, remember the big blow up over RIFRA and what they were going to do with that, um, a big discussion within the caucus. Then to go on, you know, we had the gun bill. What was that? What was going to happen with that? Then, and that was even before the negotiations with the Senate over taxes and the budget. So a lot on his plate um, and a lot in the short session as well. So uh, I'll say uh, Tim Moore in his first year as speaker. And you mentioned RIFRA. Tell us, tell us, remind oh, us yes, what, what that was. That again. was Religious Freedom Act, and that was um, whether, uh, essentially, whether businesses could would be able to deny services to gay and lesbian couples um, who were seeking to marry. Uh, you know, there was uh, a lot going on in some other states who, that passed similar legislation. Um, and there was a big push to get North Carolina to um, to adopt such a law. And that was uh, very much in the mix in the early weeks of the session. And Tim Moore, I mean, that was one of the, the big early pieces of news he came out and correct me if i'm wrong but yeah. he came out and said, said we're not, not going to do it do anything right. uh, like that this year um, so he kind of was in, in a way a moderating voice in in the house um in his first year as speaker uh tim moore and he's also said that he is going to run uh for speaker again if he's reelected in 2016 he'll run again in 2017 and certainly given the state of the republican caucus right now he'll have some opposition um taylor Knopf. Person of the Year, I'm sorry, Headliner of the Year 2015. Uh, I'm going to nominate uh, the newly elected uh, Republican Party chairman for the state, uh, Hassan Harnett. He was elected kind of in a turn of events, the uh, favored choice of all of the uh, uh, major Republican state leaders uh, was a, uh, an attorney from Gastonia, Craig Collins. Um, he had endorsements of, from everybody, from McCrory to Tom Tillis to Phil Berger. Um, so Hassan Harnett uh, took that seat. And then the first time he really appeared in headlines on a major issue was when uh, the state Republicans were trying to set up these campaign funds that were a little bit controversial. People were wondering what the true intent of them were or was. And um, Hassan Harnett was very upset about this at first, and the state Republican Party sent out emails saying that the Republican Party was kind of being split. And so... He ended up coming back and with solidarity and joined up with Phil Berger and Tim Moore, and it seems like they've patched up their relationships, but we'll see. Hassan, Hassan Harnett, um, the cha uh, chairman? 
chairman chairman of the state Republican Party. Um, he's kind of a symbol uh, in North Carolina, what's going on nationally, where somebody who wasn't, you know, the favorite of the establishment got a lot of grassroots report, uh, support uh, for that position, and, and he's in it now and trying to make it work. So Hassan Harnett, our third nominee for Headliners of the Year 2015. Uh, now we'll go to Benjamin Brown from The Insider. Who do you have? So I picked Roy Cooper as the person to watch in 2016, but I'll say that McCrory is the headliner of the year for uh, 2015, Governor Pat McCrory. Uh, a turbulent year for him, but he and his supporters would call it a success. Um, that you know He got most of what he wanted on his legislative agenda, um, his attention to veterans and military and the historic preservation tax credits, the bond referendum coming up, which wasn't everything he wanted, but it still counts as a victory of sorts. You can kind of count that among that. Uh, got caught up in an alleged pay-to-play story involving a campaign tributor, uh, contributor and a state contract. And there are definitely times when he found himself on the cold side of his own party in the legislature. Uh, Senator Tom Apodaca saying McCrory doesn't play much of a role in anything. I believe that was in the context of the budget process. And then Senate Leader Phil Berger ultimately endorsing McCrory for governor. Um, and, of course, he's headed into what I've already said is going to be one of the most uh, fierce gubernatorial races in the nation in 2016. So it's really hard not to pick uh, Governor Pat McCrory as the headliner of the year. So Pat McCrory in the hat for headliner of the year 2015. This is a tough one, um, I think, between Speaker of the House Tim Moore and the governor, who, who were seen throughout the legislative session as, as kind of allies. It seemed that the governor sided with the House more often than, than it sided with the Senate, um, ha- as has been the case for the last uh, few years. Um, I'm going to go with Tim Moore um, because he's had, he had a, a very long session to navigate through. He had a very um, divided caucus at times over certain issues. Uh, there were several times uh, throughout the year where we heard about uprisings in, in the Rep- House Republican caucus. Um, he had some story. I think Colin wrote a story about um, some earmarks to his um, uh, the earmarks in the budget to his district, uh, as well as several other legislators that, that did similar things. Um, we heard about the, the sign that the, leading into uh, Cleveland County um, that says home of House Speaker Tim Moore. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him in 2016 as well with Lynn mentioned Justin Burr, Representative Justin Burr. There's also uh, House Majority Leader Mike Hager, who who has been uh, critical of certain members of the uh, the leadership team uh, with Tim Moore. So he's going to have his work cut out for him next year, not only dealing with his own uh, members in the House, but of course the Senate and the governor as well. So um, he's got a very difficult job, um, got through uh, 2016 um, without any major, major controversy. Oh, I'm sorry, 2015. <laughs> Yeah, 2006. He hasn't gotten through 2016 yet. Um, but House Speaker Tim Moore um, will be our headliner of the year. Uh, we look forward to another uh, great year of the Domecast and hope you uh, continue to listen. And uh, as always, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the daily print edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.